0: to handle that cape for the last time.
1: Return to Town 10th Year Anniversary Edition is a revised version of Andean's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material.
0: Spoken Label. Hi, it's Anne from Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and records show it started off really as a one-off podcast chatting to writers poets and artists over time it became monthly then weekly and occasionally nowadays it goes on that to a more regular basis to date i've done over 330 sessions and i'm always looking for new poets writers artists singer-songwriters general interesting creative people to come onto the podcast You can find this on all the usual networks over Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podbay, and dozens of others. But it does have a central database of spoken label, which is all one word, dot bandcamp dot com. Obviously, now, to help me with the running costs of this podcast, I'm always grateful for any kind of donation to assist me with it. You can either do the donation through the Bandcamp page by putting in a fee to download one of the free podcasts or send it over my PayPal to aen1mpo at yahoo.co.uk My email address again is aen1mpo at yahoo dot co dot uk enjoy the podcast take care bye spoken label hi guys andy N. spoken label back in the house on a sunday afternoon yeah i'm a bit tired today we're in a good mood. so we're over to one of my favorite areas in the world today except the lady in question with us is not actually there at the moment so but we've got the wonderful She's brand new to the poach scene in manchester and lancashire area as well which is definitely a name to watch here we do have the wonderful zainab and with us today now, Zainab. Obviously, people don't know you. First of all, tell us about yourself because I know you surprised me a few minutes ago when you came in with an accent, and then you suddenly went Irish on me, and I thought, oh. <laughs> so, so obviously, <laughs> tell people where you're from originally, and where you are now, and what started off your writing. Well. Um...
1: So, originally, um, I come from a Pakistani family, but uh, I was born in Dubai. Uh, I moved in when I was eight. I've been living in Ireland for about 14 years, and the Irish accent.
0: It's um, funny, though, because like, like you started off then. Off the you started off. So, you talked about Ireland. Your Irish, your Irish accent sort kicked in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can't avoid it. Uh, I'm basically Irish, if you ask. Um, moved to the UK two years ago. Um, I'm new to the Manchester scene because before then I was in Folkestone, in Kent. Um, got a bit bored, um, uh, I'm a big United fan, so when I needed a change of scenery, I came like not <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm a city I fan. I'm going to get America. a lot of booze. just that. I, I'm a city fan, right, so. <laughs> Sorry, Gordon.
1: I should, I should convert, to be fair. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, um, I guess I kind of started writing, maybe when, let's just say when I was 15. So good, seven, eight years ago. Um, no real solid reason, kind of just, you know, the classic. You're in school, secondary school, no one's talking to you, getting bullied. Um, people telling you you can't say this, you can't, you can't do that. So started writing off. Tiny little thing scribbling in the corner of the margins of books, and realized actually, I'm kind of good at this. Let me get a notebook and start writing. And it just turned into a thing. And before I even left school um, last year of A level, um, I entered a writing competition, had my poem come up in the Irish Times, and just kind of blew up from there. Have an Instagram. I post on there. Have a little bit of a writing community an alias. Um, yeah, we're here now.
0: <laughs> I think we'd better tell people who you what you write, what your a- a writing alias a a was, before we start, okay? Because that's where your platform still is on Instagram. So yeah, I'll let you reveal mm-hmm. what that name is. And what made you want to use that name next? Time. So,
1: when I went online, I went under the name of the intangible author. Intangible because, in reality, everyone sees you for what you are. You can be, you're can just exposed to everyone and everything. But as intangible, you're untouchable, unfazed. It's your words and just solely your words. That's all anybody can judge you by. Um, it worked beautifully. Um, it was the perfect embodiment at the time. Um, that's the name I go by on Instagram um, if you want to find me on there. Um, but surprisingly with um, my writing now, um, if I go to an open mic or a spoken word, I will introduce myself as say no.
0: Um, yeah, fair, no, fair play, I know, because the long story short, how we got talking was, and it's not bad for to tell people the they this, you contacted me on my author page on Facebook, which not a lot of people use, and that's why it caught me out in that one. And we've, I found out through you, a mutual friend of ours over in the Marpley, who I'm not going to name, because I'm embarrassing, um, told you to speak to me, and I thought, OK, yeah. And then I tracked your stuff down on I really enjoyed is that's why you're here today. Now, it's worth noting off people, obviously, and I'm going to ask you about your your open mic experiences in a moment, but we're here today really to talk about your book, aren't we? Which we're going to go do a deep dive in on the second half of the podcast here, because it it'd be a bit different, obviously called Edge of Salvation. Now, we have to start with, of course, why the Edge of Salvation?
1: Very good question. Um, mind you, this book has actually been a manuscript for about a year, 10 months-ish, sort of catching dust, just because I couldn't come up with a book title.
0: Oh, is it always um, the worst, always the worst. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was just the book title that kept it catching dust. And um, I had the metaphor for the book of how I wanted the chapters to be laid out, if I wanted chapters or not, and... Um, The entire time i was thinking oh we've been through a pandemic covid what was everybody looking for salvation um but you're always kind of teetering on the edge of it you never you're never entirely sure whether you've actually gotten what you wanted to achieve or are you actually at peace so that's where the sort of the edge came in um it fit beautifully with the cover too
0: um yeah it's a beautiful cover really is that one where, where did the did you do the cover or did you get someone to do the cover for you
1: i had some inspiration from looking online but i have a really good friend of mine she kind of does like graphic art and stuff i asked her and she was kind enough to put it together for me
0: oh she's beautiful it's a really good cover yeah But it work i think it highlights your book really really well Said so. I don't want to go into any of the talk about any of the points specifically in this because this will be in the second half, and we've forgotten to mention there's a trigger, a trigger warning in the second half as well, mental, mental health, and numerous other things. So please be warned on the second half of this particular. Mm-hmm. Now, in the book itself, generally Then okay, um, people, uh, people notice at the beginning of the book. There's a quote by Emily Bronte on there as well. So. Where did what made you want to use Emily Bronte? Um,
1: oh um, I think anybody who does any sort of uh, reading or I, I studied um, a, a double major at uh, uni, half of it was English, English literature. And uh, I think that was the first time I did a deep dive into Bronte. And um, the vignettes in her writing, the insights into her own mind, um, it was kind of like what I wanted to do with my own writing. So dare I say, I kind of got obsessed with Bronte, her writing, her method, the way she expressed things. And I came across this quote that fit really beautifully with uh, my situation a couple of months ago. Um And I, I have to put it in, because originally my book was dedicated to someone. Oh. that someone is no longer in the picture. So the quote at first can be interpreted as, you know, expressing your love for that person. And now it's almost like almost like you've buried it.
0: Hence, uh, all my life's worse than the grave would be. Yeah, yeah, I no, straight away with it. It's like, I think that's, I've oh, it's an excellent quote, and when we'll go into the book in the second half, yeah, I think it, because there is elements in this book of things getting buried, and people, particularly if people see the first poem, drowning, that's a hint of what we're going to be looking at in the second half, definitely, with it, so. Now, I want to know next then, obviously, mm-hmm. obviously with this book itself, you... People know it's quite a long book for a post book. This, but again, suffering from the quality in the book. How long did it take to write this book? Because I think it's, look of things, it took you a few years, didn't it? <laughs>
1: um. Yeah. So, like I said, when I started writing, I must have been fifteen. A lot of that stuff in the first two years, I would never show anybody. God, yeah, I've, That's got really um, I've got that horrible. I've got stuff like that um, as well. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't even like talking about it. Um, but since then, maybe, let's say since 2019, maybe, um, deliberately picking out things I really liked and putting it together uh, in a Microsoft Word, um, almost like an anthology, except I'm the only one writing it. Um, let's just say maybe four, four and a half years worth of work very meticulously picked out and put together hence the 200 pages i guess it also shows that i'm indecisive and i can't summarize things yeah i, I couldn't yeah. do i couldn't do a design if you asked me to
0: yeah i know what you mean with it now people obviously will notice with the book as well and you've told me about this off mic as well and i think we should make people aware of this as well is obviously about giving examples. We'll just tell people to read the book, but people will notice from the beginning of the book, your poems are very short and concise, and they get slightly longer as they go along, don't they, as well? So was that was there a point behind yeah. setting that one out in the book that way, so people, when they read it, when they get used to your voice, it's all felt like to me. They read the short poems and they get the bite-sized ones, then they slowly get longer and longer and longer, don't they? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't think I can pinpoint an exact moment in time where it changed, mm. but I think maybe the reasoning for it being short at the beginning was, um, how I would explain it is at first, like, you meet somebody new, you're hesitant to talk to them, you're not necessarily going to have a long conversation. I was hesitant to even, like, confront parts of myself, so when I wrote it down, it was always, oh, today I'm sad, that sort of thing. Um, but as you start to confront the buried parts of yourself and you really have to dig in deep to figure out um, what's actually wrong with me what's actually bothering me then as you start to write it down it just like like you have a thread on a sweater and it just keeps coming off as you pull it that same way you write and it just comes out of you
0: yeah it's almost like you're unraveling not Building jumping, unraveling it, but I keep pulling away so there's nothing left. Yeah, you see it straight away with it's you. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I got that immediately That's with really? the book itself. So now, as I said for I wanna oh well, we're gonna spend most of the second half on this, although the second half anyway, let doing a deep dive in the book specifically. But there's a couple of things I want to wrap up with today on this part of the podcast, okay? Number one is obviously I know you've been mm-hmm. doing open bikes, haven't you, as well? I know you've just done one in Marple. You know, Anyway, when, you've also but you've done ones other, other areas as well, haven't you as well? So tell us about then how your the experience is of reading out your, your poems to other people for yourself.
1: So most of my open mic experiences in Dublin, which I thank at the end of my book as well. Um, first time I went, I think any everybody listening would agree um it's terrifying for the first time. First
0: time was terrifying to everybody, few, yeah.
1: You're reading out something so personal to you. You're there, and everyone's seeing you as well. Um, it was very nerve-wracking, but again, everybody would agree. Everyone is always so nice, and coming up to you saying that they like this. It was great. Where did it come from? You make it friends from there too, um, and then, like, like you get obsessed with feeling adrenaline. You do one and then you
0: do another one and the third one and the fourth one, and you just don't stop from there. Um, yeah, you do. It's, so, it yeah. definitely draws you in because I've been doing it, what, for more years than I'm going to admit. You know like i said, but I remember my first one or two, and I don't drink nowadays, but I thought I couldn't go on stage without a glass of whiskey in my hand the first few times. And it was just, I think it does it. It's, it's terrifying, isn't it? So it can really, really, really cool yeah. if you quite shook up, definitely. But yeah, it's like a book that I think when it bites you, it doesn't stop. I think mean, that's what you happened to you there straight away. But it's oh, brilliant. Now, yeah. obviously, a couple of questions on this part one, then, if you up, because we have to. Always, I always like to sell writers, encouraging, What do you have any plans for? Say any future books, and have you, or you got anything else in mind, creative wise?
1: Um, I actually have already started on my second one. Yay! You
0: know, and Yay! I've,
1: thankfully, it already has a title, so it's not going to be waiting. For two years to actually be put up online, um, and I would like to try to get it published rather than self-published this time around. Um, whether that works out or not, I don't know. Other than that, I do want to get put myself out there more in the open mic scene because there's definitely more of that reading, writing, poetry culture in Manchester in comparison to Dublin, maybe because of the size difference in the cities. Really. Yeah. Um, but I guess long term, if writing could be something I could always do. to revolve my entire life around it, I would love to do that.
0: Yeah, um, good luck good luck to you definitely with that. So now I'm sure the best definitely. So it's like I've never made a fortune off of writing, but I've always found it led me down various pit holes, tunnels all the time, and it's you never know what it's gonna lead you to sometimes. And like it mm-hmm. when I first started performing, what 15 years ago now, would you believe? I never envisaged 10 years later hosting a a podcast. I never envisaged I'd be fronting a band, playing music with a singer in a band. You just you don't know where it's gonna lead you sometimes. And it's I think that's part of the adventure sometimes. So definitely some good luck with it, definitely. So I've really enjoyed this first book. I wish you all the best of it. Right. What we'll do, guys and girls, is I want to spend plenty of time on the second half of this podcast. So hang around, okay? Because we're gonna do a deep dive and about six or seven poems in this. And my friend here doesn't know yet what awkward questions I'm going to be asking about each of these pieces yet. <laughs> so we will see you all in two minutes. Spoken Label. Hey guys, and the end, Spoken Label, my new friend, the amazing Zayn. Okay, my friend, over to you. You're going to do, should we tell people with poems you're going to do here or should we leave them, leave them waiting?
1: Uh, I think we can leave it ambiguous with like yeah I do yeah seven, I just do. in case don't...
0: yeah don't tell um, them okay don't tell them over to you you're gonna you're gonna do I'm, <laughs> I'll I'm not even tell what poems you are surprise people over to you
1: perfect okay um, so this first one is actually the first poem you'll find in my book Edge of Salvation it's called Drowning um, a little it's, it's a very short poem but it's just a tiny background. Um, um, I suppose it covers the feeling of anxiety and almost uh, feeling like you've held your breath your entire life and the moment you start to confront yourself and start writing is when you feel like you've breathed for the first time. Um, So yeah, this is charming. I've held my breath my whole life, been underwater too. When tears were shed, they mixed with water, indistinguishable, invisible. My weight dragged me down, Disheartenment concealed, an increase in discomfort I heaved for air.
0: I think that's a great introduction to the book um, of various levels as well. So I wanna see what, you've, what you think of my deep analysis now or <laughs> like, half, half cockeyed analysis, but better word. But yeah, I think it's an excellent start, because people I said we hinted at before in the first half of the book is much shorter in the second half. and the, the second half put the poems get longer and longer. But I think this is great, because it's a short report starts to book off. And it feels like, you see, you're just kind of, there's a recurring theme of drowning, isn't it and getting buried. This feels like it's like a drop of water just dropping on your head to me. So it's very yes. slight, and I think it works really well that way. So, what made you want to start off with this piece? And we talked about this off mics. So yeah, I'll let you let you tell people a little bit more depth.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, read the question. Um, initially, when formatting the book and deciding which poem would go in in what exact place, uh, I decided to kind of leave it the way they were written, um, which was going with the metaphor of drowning or falling into something, let's say, it's a hole into um, a a deep body of water. And as you gradually read on to the book, uh, let's say, into the second quarter, um, you've reached the bottom and you're stuck there. You've almost given up. Uh, Eventually, you realize after being stagnant in one place that you know what i don't actually want to be here anymore i'm going to try climb out and then there's actually a poem called the climb which is you realizing that uh, i'm going to attempt to get out of here and then you you're kind of teetering on the edge of let's say the top of the body of the water or whether getting out of the hole but the book ends in a way that you're not You still don't know whether it's you or me or the reader, whether you've reached ground or not, but you're definitely at the edge of that salvation.
0: Yeah, you can feel it straight away. So it's a great start, that song. Right, anyway, listen, we could be in all day. I could could super analyze it on the rhyming patterns in the room, but no, let's not do that. I don't (laughs) want to over the people. So, okay, back to you for poem number two.
1: Okay. So, poem number two is called "Shadow." Um, there's not much I can say for it because I think it's quite self-explanatory, speaks for itself. Um, but definitely a really intense feeling of uh, heaviness, something dragging you down. I have a shadow who clings to me by royal decree. He does not leave, he follows me down every street, his bloody feet not far behind. He doesn't seem to like when I'm happy, so he plays with my thoughts, tries to catch up with me. He's seductive, dark, sometimes he's big, sometimes he's small. But he's always heavy, dragging against the floor by my feet, chained to my ankles. He never leaves, a looming darkness, attached to me, carrying my burdens, weighed down by gravity. He might be flat, very discreet, but to me, he's laden with everything I hate about me.
0: I really do like this piece as well. Again, yes. this is one of my other favourite pieces in the book, bizarre enough, and it's it's quite funny this, wasn't it really, when we were talking about what, what you're going to read, before we started recording saying when you came out of this one, I said to you straight away, didn't I? Yes, you got to read that one. i like it, yeah. <laughs> it. Big capital A, definitely. Now, what I liked about this piece was, is where I found it interesting, in the fact office, obviously like, we're looking at, I don't want to go too much about pronouns and stuff, but it was like, you made the conscious decision to do this as a he. So, what made you want to have this as a he?
1: Um... I feel like sometimes when I was writing it, I don't think I actually thought about the pronoun. But um, after I'd finished writing it and read over it to see whether it needed editing, um, I realized that the he came from the idea that um, my mom will be really happy to hear this if she listens to this. Um, since I since I was younger. Um, my mum's always been my form of support. She's always been, like, my best friend, even when I didn't have anyone to talk to. Hmm. But I always felt like it was not my dad in particular, but it was always either, let's say, boys at school or, I don't want to generalize, but because of my experience, that so he was what? always gave me the trouble. So when I felt like there was something I hated about me, I only realised those things that I hated about myself because it was boys that pointed them out. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It makes sense completely. I think we'll leave it as ambiguous to that because it's, it's a really quite striking poem, that is. And I think it, there's a. I got several ways on it. And I think you're right. Well, let people work it out for themselves because I like the subtlety in that piece. I think there's a you could have made that a lot mm-hmm. more heavy handed than what you did, and I think it shows you that your skill as a writing if you manage to hold a lot back. You know what I mean when I say like writing, sometimes it's best if you don't show everything on the page,
1: yeah, or leaving a bit of ambiguity or yeah. omission,
0: yeah, yeah. definitely. And it works, it works to that piece's strength as well, that one straight away. So. It's a good piece out straight away. Right. By that point, we get into about what pushing into a quarter of the book. So people will start to get to see get hints of what's coming next, I think, definitely. so. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on. On to you for your next poem.
1: Okay. So, yeah, pushing into maybe the second quarter, realizing that you want something other than just being stuck at the bottom. This poem is called. Uh, My Soul Craves for Spring. Um, Again, I guess the title is kind of self-explanatory. It's more of a descriptive piece. Um, Sitting, I very vividly remember sitting on a field of grass and realizing, oh, I love how the light is shining Um, onto the grass, the colors, feeling the warmth on your skin. I really like this. It's much better than the drowning, dampest, dark. I'd like to be like this all the time. Um, yeah. When love has failed me, then Mother Nature arrives to comfort me instead. As I sit on the luminous green grass, the sun hugs my body and kisses my skin. Reminding me of spring when the world was lit up, yellow light, and everything around me was blossoming. But as the people pass by, and the sun persists to shine, my heart pounds and slowly burns away from lack of light. The soft breeze blows past my face to remind me once more that I came from the earth, and to it I shall go back. And so, my question to the wind is, when will I blossom when inside I'm beginning to wilt? Love that question at the
0: end of it there. Question is, it's almost like talking about the very fabric of existence of this piece and i love it and the question of that so over the, that point there i think sometimes you write poems they can they tease out very very slowly and sometimes i think with some poems they come much mm-hmm. faster was this a poem that came together fairly quickly for you or was it one of those ones where you were sat there scribbling and trying to get it right for ages
1: Um, I, I knew what I wanted to write um, the initial like inkling of the, the feeling and everything that was there um, but I think um, it, it definitely needed a bit of rewriting um, and again I'll come back to the word inkling because it's almost like a seed of a thought and as it started to grow it came line by line and eventually when I got to the last line it's like actually I kind of feel like a flower and my head's kind of hanging when I'm writing. So I'm kind of wilted. If the sun was to shine and someone bothered to water me, I would bloom like flowers in spring. So,
0: yeah, yeah, you got
1: Actually, it. Actually,
0: good analysis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a really good analysis of the piece. I think it, because you look at it as days, what we've talked about, the drowning side of it. You look at it like with plants and say, like, we keep putting pots of water on them, not overflowing them. Eventually, it will blossom. And I think, guess what? Mm-hmm. This was at a good point in the watch start showing the growth. It's a good growth piece. This one, I think, straight away. So, excellent stuff. Okay. Well, that, that was. I'm losing my camera. Should sure I got my numbers right? That was the third poem. So, moving on. Back to you again for poem number four. Mm,
1: okay. Um, if I go a little bit more into the third quarter. Um, um, just when we were off recording you mentioned the Sylvia Plath reference um, so I going to read Lazarus um, inspired by Lady Lazarus by Sylvia Plath maybe my favorite female uh, poetess slash author um, also because she kind of started with her really in-depth writing around the same age I did uh, not saying that I relate to a lot of her experience. But now reading over, let's say, Ariel, one of my favorite poems is Poppies in July. So um, Lazarus is my take on, I guess, the same feeling. I've done it again, twice every half year or so. Wear my skin like beige, brown linen. A walking miracle. Thin as paper, weightless. Crinkled and tattered, threads undone at the seams, my face, featureless, fearless, my nose, eyes, set of teeth, will soon be gone really quick. Like a breeze vanishing, carry rose scented droplets. Soon I will be flesh, like the one a cat eats. Perhaps I'll be use I'll be of use then. I gave in so often, my grave follows me. Adamant on putting me where I belong, and so they'll strip me, skin and bone only, wrap me in clothes pressed white. See my knees, elbows, arms identical to the woman I was before. They will unbox me and box me once more until I meet with the earth. Warm, brown, and caressing. Dying is an art made beautiful. I say I do it pretty well. Sometimes, though, it feels like hell, residing in my spine, weighing down like a rock. Cold flames, but painful nonetheless. They will see my scars and my shattered heart. But gentle is a soul who fears no death. For this world is not for the believer, it is just a test. And I consider myself trying to do my best. I do not fear the coming of my end, as what lies beyond is what I truly long for. I pray and say the Lord's name because when death comes, so be it. I thought I had forgotten. I thought I was over it. I thought it didn't matter, but it did. And when I do it once, I remember it all even after a week. Thinking if I were to tear myself apart, you might see. But I give up on myself constantly. And I never give up on you because it's like drowning and not dying when you're willing to.
0: Excellent stuff again. Really, really powerful that one. As the people just to clarify that that is your response to the classic "Lady Lazarus" by Sylvia Plath. Mm-hmm. From is that from the Colossus, wasn't it? The first poet, "Lady Lazarus," wasn't it? I don't think it was. an aerial, definitely. So yeah, yeah. Anyhow, it's you took it your own direction there, and if that poem does feel like you, that and it's, I think it's a hard thing to do when you're doing what you've done there, because if people know the poem, they will know. You've started off, and it's you can. They know it's about it's Lazarus, it's about Sylvia Plath. But you've made it your own voice, and I think that's quite a hard bit to do. That now, what I'm interested in this poem is structure more than anything else, because because the people are wondering if you look at the page 131 where this page starts and the book, the first stanza goes on for nearly the full page, and then it's like you you cut it you cut it down, don't you, with two and three quite substantially. What makes you want to do it that way? Because That's glorious, certainly.
1: Um, I think where you see the the, the stanza break on one three one, um, it's the, literally that stanza starts with the word but because, um, the entire stanza beforehand is the description of what I've done to myself imagining if I was to die now and I was being shrouded or my, it was my funeral, what they would see, what would they think about me? And then the buck comes in, and it's almost an epiphany of realizing, well, actually, what is actually so scary about dying? I do it so well, you know? I've already done it in, um, I've already done it in small ways already, like giving up on yourself or marating yourself. Or, yeah harming yourself in whatever way it is, is that's not some small acts of dying as well and then again on the next page one three two the stanza breaks kind of shorter because you've had the epiphany but i guess the struggle in the third quarter of the book is you're realizing but you're not quite there yet so you still keep coming back to the negative
0: thoughts yeah i think you can see that on that poem there when you look at the last stanza you you started the repetition, which does work, I thought I'd forgotten. I thought I was over it. I thought I didn't matter, but it did. That's really quite powerful writing, that straight away. And it's I think it back up what you're saying straight away with that straight away and it shows you put quite a lot of force in this book. Well, excellent stuff indeed. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's point number four. On to point number five. Mm-hmm. I,
1: this is why I didn't give a definite number. (laughs) Um, Okay, let's see. Okay. This is a poem called The Center of Life. It is actually my mom's favorite poem. She calls it The Table, because it's centered around a table. And this took a while to write, mainly because um, what happened before the act of writing this poem down was an argument that happened with me and another person across the table. And I realized, oh, so much of this stuff happens in everybody's life on a daily basis. And for some reason, it's always a dining table or coffee table. Or something goes wrong and someone asks you, hey, are you okay? Shall I make you a cup of tea? And then you're sitting at a coffee table again. What's that? kind of the inspiration behind it? <clears throat> the center of life, the round table, where it all began and where it all ends. Ever since I learned to put food at a table, feed those I thought cared, I figured, Almost everything that unfolds in this lifetime, or this timeline at least, revolves around the table. As kids we played underneath its rigid structure, scraped our knees while calling, bruised elbows by corners, sheets to cover the pillars, pretend we were the kings and queens of a castle or heroes trapped in a fortress. It is where you are given instructions on how and what it is to be human. Make wet make men, make women. It is where we wept, wondered, dissed enemies, and reminisced ghostly lovers. It has been our house in the rain, shelter from quakes, an umbrella under scorching sun, where we drank dreams and teacups and hugged our children. How we laughed at our poorly kept together selves and fell apart all over again. Where our famished souls ate and drugged themselves to oblivion. We have argued, bled, and poured with bread at this table started wars and ended them. It is to hide your shadowy terror and celebrate the terrible victory. On the table is where we've made love, of life between each other, only our atoms keeping us apart. We gave birth on its surface, expanding the dark between stars. We've prepared parents and newborns for burial here. We sang for joy, sorrow, self-suffering and hurt, we held hands to pray, let go of those who left. Back with our mistakes and righted some wrongs. Maybe it is where we will die, tremoring from our lost breath. We are what we eat, and at the table is where we swallowed life to make us who we are. And it is a table that'll decide how we'll go. Regretful skeletons yearning for a moment longer. I'm grateful that we made it through this life called labyrinth. Every moment we spend and spare with each other is a gift often taken for granted. We should say goodbye like it is the last time and meet and embrace it as if it is the first. For who knows when we may be sitting at the table and it decides to crumble.
0: Really, really good piece. again. Now, people say now, your back point now, that was covering up to around the 106s in this book. And you, Mm -hmm. you look at the beginning of the journey now, you can see the difference, what you've done now. Like, over several this is several years of your writing, this is, and it's just your voice is really coming to fruition here now. And you've already hinted at this piece. This poem was a tricky one to write, and I can see that, because I know if I tried to write something like that, that would have probably took me months to write and probably uh, probably quite a lot of drafts as well. So tell us, bit about the beginning of this piece, then, and how it's changed. How you got to the final draft?
1: Um, I suppose I knew the table was definitely going to be the center of it. Um, mm. But what made it so difficult is how do you make something that seems so, you know, ordinary or mundane and yeah. make it sound like something extravagant, like a round table where kings would eat? or, definitely, definitely. you know, people people, people think of a round table, they think of like King Arthur, they think about a great meal like the Last Supper. But I'm just talking about an average table that everyone has in their dining room, the living room. How do I make that sound good? And what sort of things actually happen around it? So it definitely wasn't like an hour or even a day. It was over a course of a week where like, oh, actually, this has happened. And made a little note of it. The next day, oh, our, this also happened, and the table was between the two of us. So with one stanza, second, third, fourth, and
0: yes, yeah, you see, you doing. can see it for the amount of layers in the poems, and some kind you've started your sentences yourself halfway through in the stanzas. It's one that you've really had to pace it out with it, and it's it's worked for it. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece. Yeah. You've give you've done the mundane around just around the table what you've done is you've shown life in it and how life is that what affects you as a person No, it's a fantastic piece really really great stuff okay that my mm-hmm. reckoning was poem number five so now people wondering before we were dropping hints so we were talking about possibly six or seven pieces weren't we so what would you like to do um I think I'm
1: I think I'm happy with doing six. I feel like we've come to a point that maybe reading the last
0: poem in the book. Yeah, Um, I do as well. It's a great, yeah, great choice now to move with that last piece now, definitely. So I'm going to shut up and back to you for the finale. Right. So
1: this is like I said, the last poem in the book. Um, It may not seem like. Um, it's really Edge of Salvation, but we've done our we've done our falling, our drowning, done our dying, and now we've come to an empath, or the end of it. So this poem is called, What Can I Tell You That You Do Not Know of the Life After Death? It's a tiny bit of context. It is not entirely inspired by me. Um, it is broken into three stanzas because... One is somebody else's experience. Second is somebody close to me. Third is, let's just say, mine. Um, but, yeah. Your daughter's eyes seen only a handful of times. Unsettling as they are so perfectly your eyes. Eyes just became wet jewels. The hardest substance of the purest pain. If God were grief, his hands were wrapped around your throat, ringing and ringing you like a wet cloth, ringing out all the tears, punishing you in some way for being an embodiment of human willingness to try and be better. Grief, being an uprooted tendon at the base of your skull, knotted in such a way that it formed a noose comprised of anguish and vindication, imagining being dropped from the threshold of life instead of the innocent soul sleeping in her cot. Life after death before life can even begin. Your flesh and blood, also a part of me, coiled and turned up inside of you. Let's go because some souls cannot be held. The pain of a mother is loud as wolves' long voices. Grief wound you up, set you wailing. Mourning for anything but death. You laid in the fallen snow, under falling snow, falling ever deeper within, engulfed by white. Your motherhood scattered flashes of red and crimson. What kind of judgment takes the form of miscarried but carried nonetheless? My mouth, a bloodied fist, teething its way into some flesh, in hopes of life before the end. The body sinks into a fairy tale. The same wolves are singing, the same god is laughing. For two babes, three babes, five and more, have turned in their sleep, pale and cold. Life has beaten you down close to six feet under. You have unloved it for too long until you learn to live through the aftermath and then hold life like a face between your palms, a plain face, and you say, yes. I will take you. I will love you again.
0: We love the ending on that again. I think it brings the book full circle. But like, I will love you again. It's like it makes you want to go back to I don't know if you're conscious of this. When you, you look at that last line, it makes you want to go back to the beginning of the book again and feel like you take people. If people can't see the early video, they see me move my hand around in like a circular shape here. And I think the book is like that. It really isn't. It's, it's, a, it's a tremendous book for a, for a debut collection for anybody. Like you moved, you took everyone a full journey, and that's good writing. Definitely that one. But I have to ask yes. you this because I know you tell me you're not always very really good with titles. How hard did it? To, to get the title for this piece because it let's read the title out people again because it's a cracking title. How can I tell you that you do not know of the life after death? Because that is absolutely you can ask a poem itself, actually
1: It is really. I, I feel like sometimes um, a, a question or the question that initiated the, the prompt for your piece is rather than thinking of a title, why not just take the question you had in your mind use that as a title. And I guess if I was to explain the thought process, um, for anyone listening who believes that there is something after after death, that there there is an afterlife, um, people have their own interpretations of it. Um, so me at the time was thinking, okay, I know there is something, but if I was if somebody was to ask me and I was to tell you, what is it that I can actually tell you about it? And I suppose the poem goes through, encapsulates the entire book in one, in two or three stanzas, and concludes with the fact that, you know, life is whatever it is, things happen, but you can still always, come back full circle and you know, start over or continue. It doesn't have to be an after. It can just be continuation.
0: Yeah, I think you're I think that's what you've done with the book. Yeah, I agree with that. It's I think really it is still the circle, but it's also you wrote it very cleverly. It's I think mean, it's you're hinting at what your next book could be, and I think as well, whether you've done that consciously or not it goes in a couple of different ways no no tremendous stuff indeed so brilliant stuff indeed now one thing we didn't do in the second half or first half, i should take and i wanted to do is in the second half was to let you tell people first of all where can they get your book
1: so my book is available on amazon um It is linked on my Instagram, which you can easily find under the name of the intangible author. You can also just go on Amazon and search up Edge of Salvation. Maybe put my name, if that makes it easier. Um, There's also a digital copy on Etsy, which you can find the exact same way. Um, It's a really simple, easy-to-follow PDF. Um, Download it and read it on whatever device you like
0: brilliant brilliant okay yeah. and if people if people would read more about you where do you, rec- oh, could you do contact details do the contact details because obviously you're not really in social media so if people want to get hold of you where do you recommend they go
1: um so yeah as i was mentioning before uh, i'm on, on a little bit of a hiatus with my instagram trying to figure out what to do with it at the moment but if you do if you use instagram and you message me there i will Answer your DM. Um, there's also an email button which uh, I will also respond to. Um, uh How else? um You can search up my name on Facebook. That works too.
0: Yeah, just look for me, um, and you'll find. Otherwise, fine. You're the
1: there, contact yeah.
0: button on my Instagram. <laughs> really, yeah, great stuff. Okay, well, we'll wrap up here. It's been an absolute pleasure, Alex. I've really enjoyed doing a deep dive with you today because it's been great fun. So. When book two's ready, Why,
1: thank you for give me, me
0: give me a nudge. I would love to have you back on again, okay? And if people are wondering as well. Before this podcast will go out in a couple of weeks' time, obviously from recording, and you will be debuting at Speakeasy, the Night I Cold Run, in October. So this podcast will be out yeah,
1: just before that's nice. that. So that's nice. so.
0: I can terrify you in person as well as been on Zoom, so which I'm looking forward to. So, <laughs> so hang around anyway. I do need to torch your microphone anyway. we need to sort out. But it's been a pleasure, today. I really have enjoyed this.
1: Thank you for having me. I've I've really enjoyed it and having me so short notice come on here. I'm um, flattered.
0: Pleasure. Right? So, okay, guys and girls, that's it for today. Spoken label. As Don Callis over at AEW Wrestling says, stay over, and more importantly, make sure you do. See you all next time. Spokenly.